Amen. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, are you hopeless today? Tell him, tell her, no. I am full of hope. I will return full of hope. Amen. Amen. The precept of the year says that return to your strongholds, you prisoners of hope. Amen. Amen. So tonight, we are going to be meditating on the topic of victory of hope. Tell your neighbor, victory of hope. Victory of hope. You see, many people have hope of victory. Some nations had hope of a victory last week for some matches and some of them lost their jobs as well because that hope was not realized. Right? But for us as Christians, there is a hope that we have which God has laid in us and which God wants to see us victorious in. Amen? So tonight, we are going to look at that hope and how we can be victorious in that hope. Amen? See, we all have hopes, especially when it comes to something new. When we are born, our parents have hope concerning us. Or when we have children, we have hopes concerning our children. When we grow up, when we start going to school, we first hope that there will be no school at all. Right? And then, as years go by, for every threshold, we have hopes. When we go into a new academic year, we have hope. When we go into, into marriage, we have hope. When we step into a new country, we have hope. When we step into a new city or onto a new year also, we have many hopes. How many of us had hopes for this year and have hopes for this year? May the Lord fulfill those hopes in the name of Jesus. Amen? But what happens sometimes when the newness fades, hopes become deferred. Some hopes are accomplished. Some become delayed. Some fade. Some are even forgotten. Right? But then, the Bible talks about a hope, a different kind of hope. It's not only a good hope, we see that in 2 Thessalonians 2.16, but it is also a better hope. Hebrews 7 verse 19, we don't need to read those. It's not only a good hope, but it is also a better hope. It is a hope that is laid up in heaven. Amen? Colossians 1 verse 5, so it remains, it does not fade. And it's also not only in heaven, it's a hope that is in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Tell your neighbor, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the Bible describes God himself as a God of hope. He's a God of hope. He invites us into this hope. Because we were once a people without God and without hope. And he called us into this hope. Aren't you excited? Amen. That God has invested hope in us. Invited us into hope. 
And that's why Paul says in his prayer in Ephesians that our eyes of understanding may be open to the hope of his invitation, the hope of his calling. Not only that does he invite us into hope, he births in us a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3, he births us into a living hope and forms the hope of glory in us. How amazing is the work of God in yours and my life. Amen? Amen? Right. So what is the hope that I have? Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. What is the hope that we have? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. It is described as, if you are there, you may read. Yes. By the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Our hope is described as a blessed hope summarized as Christ himself, the hope of eternal life. He himself is our hope. You see, now we are one in him. Amen? We are one in him, but there will be a time when we will be one like him. Isn't that a hope to be cherished? That we will be one like him. That no matter what these imperfections, these bodies carry, these souls carry, these hearts carry, but a day will come when we will see him as he is. Amen? And it was prophesied that in him, Matthew 12, verse 21, in him, Christians shall hope. If that was what was written, then we, you and I wouldn't be here. In his name, Gentiles will hope or Gentiles will trust. Hope is a person and abiding in him, as we abide in him, we have hope towards all that he is. We have hope towards all that he is. And what is all that he is? Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, and I will read, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. We have the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. That God will save us. He will give us deliverance from sin. And he will give us victory over sin. The hope of salvation is in Christ Jesus. What else? The hope of righteousness. A hope not just of righteousness which is imparted in us when we come to him in Christ, 
but a hope of righteousness completed in us. You see, when we come to Christ, when we place our faith in Christ on the death of His, on His resurrection, when we, face, when we place our faith in Him, God imparts His righteousness unto us. But when we journey across this earth, there are many times that we are led astray. And therefore, we fall away from grace. You're all looking as if none of us have gone through that experience. No, there are times that we fail, but God births in us a hope of a completed righteousness. Turn with me to Galatians 5, verse 5. Galatians 5, verse 5. And I will read it from the Amplified Version. And it says, For we, not relying on the law, but through the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, by faith are waiting confidently for the hope of righteousness, the completion of our salvation. The God who initiates the hope of salvation is the very same God who completes the work of salvation in and through us. Amen? Amen? What else do we have as hope in Him? Eternal life. It's a hope of promised eternal life. Titus 1 Verse 2, Titus 1, verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. It's a promised hope, and it doesn't just stop with that. Look at chapter 3 of Titus, verse 7. Titus chapter 3, verse 7, and it says that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You and I have an inheritance reserved, incorruptible, and God expects us to realize that hope. Amen? Amen? So how do we secure the victory of our hope? How do we secure the victory of our hope? If God has laid before us such a great hope for us, how do we lay hold of that hope? How do we find victory of that hope? Many people had hopes in Jesus, right? When he was doing his ministry on earth. But we also see examples of hopes defeated. So before we find how hopes are victorious, let's also look at some examples of defeated hopes. See, the Bible warns us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, if in this life only... We have hope in Christ. We are of all men 
the most pitiable. Tell your neighbor, I will not be pitiable. I will be enviable. God shall secure my hope in Jesus' name. You see, the disciples had a hope in Jesus. Let's look at Luke 24. Luke chapter 24, 21, on the road to Emmaus, they were telling, when Jesus asked them, what are you so disturbed about? They said something. Verse 21, I will read the second part of it. But we were hoping, or the first part of it, sorry. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he will redeem Israel, but he got crucified. We don't know what's happened to him. You see, the disciples had a hope in Jesus. And did not Jesus come to redeem? Yes. They had the same question in Acts chapter 1. We see, Lord, are you going to redeem Israel at this point of time? That is what they were asking. But Jesus said, it is not for you to determine times and seasons, but you will have something for which you will fall into my plan and purpose, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Many times, our hopes become defeated because we don't realize the overall plan of God. The disciples could not decipher the plan of God concerning salvation. They thought that he had come to deliver Israel from the Romans at that point of time. But God had a bigger plan. Many times our hope becomes defeated because we look at it with a very short sight. That we are not able to see God's bigger plan. Another example. Mark 9, 17 to 18. We will not go there. You remember the story of a man with a child who had epilepsy. He said, I have brought my mute son, made speechless by a demon to you. In verse 17 onwards, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and, they go as, and goes as stiff as a board. Now see what he says. I'm reading from the message version. I told your disciples, hoping they could deliver him. I told your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they couldn't. You see, later we realize that this man had unbelief. His hope was not realized because it was not rooted in faith. What does the Bible describe? faith as. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If your hope is not rooted in faith of who God is, then those hopes can fade away. Another person, another great character, Luke chapter 23, verse 8. Many people hoped to see miracles from Jesus. And many of them got to see. But this gentleman, he couldn't. Luke 23, verse 8. 
Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. He hoped to see some miracle done by him, but he didn't see any. His hope was defeated because he wanted to see the work of God, but he was not willing to do the walk with God. Many times we want to see the works of God in our life, but we are not willing to do the walk that God wants us to do. And that is why sometimes our hopes get defeated. Amen? Tell your neighbor, I will not suffer defeat today. I will not suffer defeat today in Jesus' name. So how can we see the victory of this hope? The Bible gives us keys. Number one, we lay hold. A very violent term, seize. Seize this hope. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Because this is a hope that is laid up in heaven for us, God wants us to lay hold of this hope, to seize this hope. Hebrews 6, verse 18 so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. We have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. But many times we are not able to seize this hope. Why? Because our hands are full. If we need to see something, our hands need to be free. Right? Imagine you have a big box. And I give you something simple to hold. You're not able to hold because you have something big. When Jesus calls unto us unto his hope, look the condition that he puts before us. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Luke 9, 23 and 24, and I will read it from a different version, J.B. Phillips. Luke 9, 23 and 24, then he spoke to them all, if anyone wants to follow my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself. He must give up all right to himself, carry his cross every day, and keep close behind me. For the man who wants to save his life will lose it. But the man who loses his life for my sake will save it. For seizing the hope that is set before me, for laying hold of it, I need to let loose of what I am holding. Sometimes it's a big box that carries another trinity, I, me, myself. Sometimes it's a big box of expectations that we have from the world. Sometimes it's a big box of expectations that we have from God on things related to earth alone. And God says, if you want to follow me, lay down your conditions and take up mine. And you and I shall do that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen? 
For laying hold, I need to believe what God says. Believe what God says instead of what I see. Believe what God says instead of what I see. Romans 4 verse 18 talks about Abraham. Romans 4 verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Abraham believed in hope, and so he became. He believed in hope, so he became. I sometimes don't become what God has said of me because I don't believe it. I don't seize the hope of God's calling in my life. And therefore, I don't believe God's call over my life. How many of you believe that you are called by God? Can I see your hands? Each of us, God has called us. God has invited us. Calling means invitation. God has invited us into his kingdom. And if we don't believe that call, then we cannot seize what he has laid hold for, what he has preserved for us. Second, how do I see victory of my hope? Be grounded. Children will not like that term. When we say grounded, it means that Nothing is allowed for you. No, no, no. Be grounded. Be established in this hope. Ephesians 1 verse 4, we are studying that in our, in our home studies, right? That God, what does it say? He chose us to be holy and blameless. Right? In love, he chose us to be holy and blameless before him. Right? But look at Colossians 1, verse 22 and 23. Colossians 1, verse 22 and 23. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And the Bible puts a condition over there. Like Pastor Francis says, terms and conditions apply. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. It is the hope of the gospel. When I'm grounded in the hope of the gospel, that that which God chose me for, he's able to accomplish in me. God chose me to be holy and blameless. He wants to present me home holy and blameless. And for that, I need to abide in the hope of the gospel. Be rooted in the hope of the gospel. And how does he do that? Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. How do I remain grounded in hope? When I allow the Word of God to cleanse me and when I allow the Spirit of God to transform my mind through 
the word of God. That is how I can see the victory of my hope. And not only that, this hope becomes the reason for my sanctification. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Because we will see him as he is one day, for that reason, I will be conscious to purify myself because I have this hope in me. And that is why the Bible calls it a better hope in Hebrews 7 verse 19. Because this hope not only is laid for me, it is able to transform me. Amen? The third reason or the third way that we can find victory of hope be anchored. Be anchored. Hebrews 6 verse 19. Hebrews 6 verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. An anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. The one which enters within the veil. Think of an anchor of a ship. Your soul is a ship. Now, if you are able to see the anchor of the ship, which means that you have not used it, right? And whatever comes, any storm comes, it will be able to take your soul here and there. But when we use this anchor, even if storms of disappointments come, what happens? God uses them as divine appointments. There are no disappointments in the life of a Christian. They are all divine appointments for us to know the love of God. Amen? 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 Tell your neighbor, I have divine appointments. God has set for me divine appointments. Sometimes I don't like it. But they are divine appointments. And that is why the Bible says in Romans, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and the Bible says, Now hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given us. Amen? They are divine appointments for us to know the love of God if indeed we are heeding to the Spirit of God. Fourth reason or fourth way in which I can lay hold of this hope, I can see the victory of this hope, being diligent. Being diligent. Hebrews 6 verse 11. <coughs> Hebrews 6 verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end, 
this hope has an assurance if you and I are diligent to lay hold of it, then we can see its completion. God commands that I don't grow slack or deal with this hope with a slack hand. Like the writer of Proverbs writes, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. God wants you to be rich in hope, and for that, he wants you and me to possess this hope with a diligent hand, being zealous towards that hope that God has called me into. See, we are a church by grace of God. We have at least 30 to 40% of the congregation as workers. Amen? There are so many people engaged in, in ministry within this church. And we are so blessed by the service of each one of us. Right? But then, in what hope are we laboring? Is it reward from men? Or is it reward from God? Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. And I will read the second part. That he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. That are laboring. When I labor in sharing the gospel, when I labor in building lives through the gospel, the hope that I have is that I will be gaining souls. If we reward, if we labor in this hope, our hope will not be disappointed. Amen? Tell your neighbor, you shall not suffer disappointment. And that is why we need to wear this hope as a helmet. First Thessalonians 5. Verse 8, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope, the salvation. And, helmet, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. We wear this helmet like, we wear this hope like a helmet. Now, if you work in construction fields, we are called to wear a helmet, especially when there's something called a hard, heart, a hard hat area, where things are supposed to be falling. And if you're not careful with the helmet, if it's not strapped properly, if it's not worn properly, you are prone to attack, right? Like uh, I've seen in India, when we ride bikes, there are helmets worn in different ways, right? Not to fulfill the purpose, but to fulfill the law, right? But in the same way, if we are not careful to wear this hope as a helmet, it can destroy our minds. When there are disappointments from circumstances, from people, from anything that is in the world, if we are not securing our minds through the hope of salvation, then what will preserve yours and my mind? There are many Christians, sorry to say, many Christians going to therapies. Going to therapies, to psychologists, to psychiatrists, 
Antidepressants. Why? Because the helmet is laid aside and the mind is open to many things other than the hope of the gospel. And God wants us to secure our minds through the hope of the gospel. And that is how we can see the victory of our hope. Amen? Lastly, secure the hope of my calling. Secure the hope of my calling. The Bible calls us partakers of a heavenly calling. Amen? How many of us believe that we have a heavenly calling? Amen? God bless you. But this hope of calling cannot be sustained by our own works of righteousness. Instead, when I align my life to the righteousness of Christ, when I put on Christ in every situation, I secure not only the hope of my calling, but also the election. 1 Peter 2, verse 10, Peter says, make the hope and your election sure. Right? Let's turn to Revelation 17, verse 14. How does the Bible describe a child of God? Revelation 17, verse 14. Tell your neighbor it's written about me. It's written about me. Revelation 17, verse 14. These will wage war against the Lamb. And the Lamb will overcome because He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And the last part is what is written about me, eh? not the first part. And those who are with Him are the... Is it, is it saying are called? Or it is saying, are the called, are the called, the chosen and the faithful. You are not called chosen and faithful. You are called, you are chosen, and you are faithful. When you and I abide in Christ, put on Christ, and overcome everything else. Amen? I want us to turn to Matthew 22. Why should we take our hope of calling seriously? Matthew 22, verses 11 to 13. It talks about a set of people who were called to the banquet. Right? Verses 11 to 13. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what this passage tells me? That the only garment that heaven recognizes is the garment that he has given us. Not our own. That man came with soiled garments. Isaiah 64, it says, our works of our own righteousness are like filthy rags. But the Bible tells us in Romans 13, 
verse 14. Romans 13, verse 14. Put on Christ and no, make no provisions for the lust of the flesh. How can you and I expect the victory of hope if we keep on engaging the lust of the flesh and do not put in the new self that you and I are created in. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. We are created in a new self and God calls us to put on that self that God has created us in. You see, we are so eager. I'm not, I'm not belittling anything over here. Please let me be very careful when I say this. We are so eager to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the full armor of God and fight every fight against the devil. But then, the lusts of our own flesh, we so coolly succumb into it because we don't put on Christ at every aspect of our lives. That is why sometimes we succumb to anger, we succumb to, to many other things because we have forgotten to put on Christ. And so the Lord shall help us today to renew our hope. I want us to stand up. Just as we heard last Friday, it is time to go back to the basics. God wants us to be restored to that hope. God wants us to be restored to that hope. That pristine hope that God deposited in you and me when we came to Christ. Now, if there is anyone here, all eyes closed. I don't want you to raise hands. I don't want you to signify anything. But there are certain questions that I want us to, to meditate on. And as you are meditating, when I call on the elders, our pastors, to pray for us, if you, if you need any of these things that I'm going to read out here, you can come forward. Do you have a need of hope? Do you have a need of hope, of eternal life, of righteousness, of salvation? The answer is, it is found only in Christ. Do you have misplaced hopes? Have your hopes faded away? You have hoped in situations, you have hoped in people. You have had misplaced hopes in God. Not that God is unjust. But God wants to open your eyes to the hope that he has laid for you. An incorruptible hope. Are you struggling to understand the hope of your calling? Are you struggling with grasping this hope? You are not able to understand why God has called me. Are you struggling in being diligent? Is your soul anchored to the presence of God? Or, or are you swayed by every storm? You are swayed by every storm, every disappointment in life. That you feel that your hope is distant. It is not for me. Is your soul anchored to the presence of God.
Or you're hoping for God, hoping in God for one thing or the other. Whatever the reason may be, you want to agree with men of God in prayer. I'm calling on the pastors and the elders here. I'm calling on the choir to come forward and minister. It's time to return to the God of hope who will fill you with all hope and joy in believing. It's time to return to the God of hope who will fill you with all hope and joy in believing. In the name of Jesus. I call on the choir to be ministering to us. As you ponder on these, these things that I have asked you of, Please, please. I want you to hold, anchor your minds on one verse which I will read. Romans 15, Hide verse me 13. Hide me May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. If there's anyone who wants to come forward to pray, please come forward. This is your time. Do not delay it. This is your season. This is your time. The leaders, leaders, please. Do not delay it. This is your time. This is your season. This is your period. Brother Joji, Brother Emmanuel. about it. Do not delay it. This is the time. This is the
ocean. When the ocean rises and thunders roar, I will sow with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still, know you are God. I will be still, know you are God. When the ocean, when the ocean rides and thunders roll. I will sow in you above the storm. Father, you are king over the floor. I will be still, know you are God. I will be still, know you. Hallelujah. The victory of hope. I don't know what you are what you are, what you are expecting. But the assurance has come tonight that God is ready to give you that victory that you deserve in the mighty name of Jesus. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemy to save you. Whatever be that thing that has been disturbing you is like, just like an enemy. God will fight for you in the mighty name of Jesus. And why is God going to fight for you? And that answer is in the first John 5.14. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I don't know what problem is 
you are going to overcome and victory is yours in the mighty name of Jesus. And he said, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It is done. You will testify to the glory of God in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to pray. Lord, this is fourth victory night. My hope is in you. Let me be victorious. Let me be victorious. God has promised to go ahead of you. To fight the battle for you. I don't know what kind of battle that you are facing. I don't know what is your thoughts. But God is promising. But you need to speak to, the, to God. And say, God, these are the battle I'm facing. Because today's message is for me. Because today's message, you have given it because of me. Father, I want to testify to the victory of hope in the mighty name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray. You will remember today, which is the first victory night for this year, and testify to the glory of God. That area of your life that you feel that, yes, you are facing battle. That area of your life that you are expecting hope. Hope in God that God will go ahead of you. He will fight the battle for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you. We want to appreciate you for the way you have blessed us today. We want to thank you because today's message is for each and every one of us that are here. We want to thank you because today's message is for everybody, even those that are not here. Because of your mercy, you will extend it to them that we shall experience victory of hope in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because you reminded us that we have to come back to our stronghold, and you are our stronghold, Lord. Father, we pray, Almighty God, that whatever victory you have for us, it shall never come bypass us in the mighty name of Jesus. In that area of your life that is giving you concern, I assure you, that God Almighty is on the throne. He will perfect his victory in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. And as you are preparing to enter into the new month, that victory of hope, you begin to see the signs and wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. When you think, you think of victory in Jesus' name. When you look, you will look at victory in the mighty name of Jesus. When you rejoice, you will rejoice in victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. We want to appreciate your servant that you have used for us tonight. That more anointing in the mighty name of Jesus. The depth of knowledge you have given unto him. Father, you will increase it in the mighty name of Jesus. That source shall never dry up in his life in the mighty name of Jesus. I bless the name of God in his life, in the life of his family, and extended family in the mighty name of Jesus. God will bless the work of your hands in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. When we meet next month, Father, let our testimony be more in the mighty name of Jesus. For our members that have traveled, that they will be returning, Father, we pray for Johnny Mercy in the mighty name of Jesus. And as many of you that may be planned to travel, that God will go with you as well in Jesus' name. And the name of God shall be glorified in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for the rest of the year, once again, our programs, they are in your hands. Take control in Jesus' name. And let your name be glorified in the mighty name of Jesus. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Shall we share the grace of God in fellowship? Amen. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Do have a wonderful night rest. Home cell leader, don't forget the assignment I've given you. <laughs>